Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome into the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you on a Monday afternoon. And we have some football to talk about for the first time in a little over 200 days. I think it was 202 on Saturday, so what would it be now? 200. Uh, we'll just go 202 on Saturday. We have a actual football game to talk about. Zach Jones along with you for the next hour here on the Nightcap on WGR. Tonight, I want to spend some time talking about the defense. Tomorrow, we'll do the offense. I have a ton to say about Khalil Shakir, Isaiah Hodgins. Not too much about James Cook. He didn't really get to do much, but I definitely want to break down those two. Tonight, though, I want to talk about the star of the Bills' 27-24 win over the Colts. Bit of a comeback. Doesn't really matter. It's preseason. But, you know, it's always nice to have nine straight preseason wins. But tonight, we'll be dealing with the defensive side of the football. And I will say, even though the Colts, yes, scored 24 points, I was thoroughly impressed with the defense. It felt like... They have depth everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. And young guys, rookies, just it seemed like they were making plays everywhere you looked on the field. If you looked down for five minutes, you'd look up and you'd see a rookie that the Bills had just drafted making a big play. It was phenomenal to watch that because we've been touting this for a few years now that Brandon Bean has been a spectacular drafter, and he has. But really, his is creme de la creme. You know, his, his his magnum opus has been the later rounds. Three and on, he has been clutch. He has been spectacular. He has been near untouchable. And he's showing that again. It feels like he is showing that again. That guys who maybe didn't even make any huge plays, but just seemed like they were always in the right positions. They were always doing the right things. They didn't look lost out there. I'm looking at Balen Specter, the rookie linebacker out of Clemson that they got, I want to say, in the seventh round this past year. He looked really good. Is he going to make this team? Not too sure. But I will say this. He'll wind up on someone's team. If he's cut, he is absolutely going to wind up on someone's team. And we know this already. Cornerback Elijah Griffin was cut on Sunday by the Bills. He's already been picked up by the Giants earlier today. So there's clearly, I mean, like, they feel good about their rookie class, but it's it, we're now entering that point of the Bills being one of those teams where talented players are going to get cut. It's not, well, it's a bad player. We're, we're, we're getting it down to just who are the good players. No, no, no. Good players will get cut. And we're at a point now, I mean, you know, Terrell Bernard is a guy, I think, lost a little bit in this offseason, and he's kind of who I want to start with first tonight. 
Terrell Bernard has been a guy that's just been lost in this offseason. Not him, you know, specifically, but I mean, in terms of people talking about him. Cook, Elam, to a lesser extent, Benford, but that's kind of been as training camp has gone on. Matt Areza especially has been somebody that you talk about. And Khalil Shakir has been a name that you heard a ton. Bernard is is the is the team's third round pick, and, and you would have thought he got picked in the seventh round, had no shot of making this team. Yet he's the one that has a fumble return for a touchdown. And he looked like he was in the right spots. He was flashing his athleticism. He was flashing his instincts. The team, the defense especially, looks so deep and so good at times. This was just out, you know, Von Miller, Ed Oliver, the safeties, Milano, Edmonds. This was out any of those guys playing. Of course, Tredavious White. None of those guys played. Not even a snap. They may have dressed technically, but they were never going to see the field. And the Bills' defense was really, really giving it to the Colts' offense. Their starting offense. Their starting offense. Matt Ryan was in there. Michael Pittman was there. Jonathan Taylor, I do not think, was playing. But, I mean, you know, their quarterback and the wide receivers are going, which, to be fair, was what a lot of people wanted to see. I mean, that's what a lot of people wanted to see. But Bernard and Spectre at linebacker were really looking good. And Bernard especially, we've heard a little bit about the last two weeks, as kind of one of those, like, couldn't the Bills, because they've been having him play at Mike, they've been playing him an outside linebacker, they've been kind of having him do a lot of everything at Bills camp. Could he be somebody that the team maybe thinks could be a long-term solution to Tremaine Edmonds? That they know, we probably won't pay Edmonds, but we've drafted Bernard. Now, you know, instead of Edmonds' rookie year, Edmonds' rookie year, he had to be the Mike. He had to be the middle linebacker, and he has been since his rookie year. But with Bernard, they may be thinking, we can kind of stash him away. He'll come in here and there. He'll slowly be able to learn. He's got a ton of athleticism, good size, and they can let Edmonds walk and bring in a totally new guy that they've drafted. Is not nearly as expensive as Edmonds was on his first contract. Bernard's a third-round pick. is obviously far cheaper than a first-round pick. And they can just have their new middle linebacker. And Balen Spector himself could be somebody. Because let's be honest, Tyler Matakavich is a special teamer. So maybe they could look at, you know, all right, Balen Spector, you can be somebody that can come in and be a genuine backup linebacker. Especially because, and a player we'll talk about a little bit as the night goes on, Andre Smith is going to miss uh, the first six games on a PED suspension. So maybe one of those where, you know, we're going to have to have somebody there for those six games. And in part, maybe Smith has to kind of recapture his role on this team. But the two linebackers looked really good, and Bernard especially. I'm glad he was able to get the touchdown and really the play of the game because he has been sort of the forgotten rookie on this Bills roster. So I'm glad that he's the one that sort of had the pop play. He didn't force the fumble. That was Boogie Bash, and we'll get to him as well. But he flashed the the athleticism because no one was near him. He was flying down the field when he got the ball. Andre Smith himself said it in the locker room, basically, that he knew he was gone. He knew he was going for six. He just had to meet him there. So it was great, great, great to see that. But maybe my favorite thing to see was the rookie corners. Because Benford, Christian Benford out of Villanova, the team's, one of their team's sixth-round pick, and Kyir Elam, the first-round pick. Now, going into this game, Benford was maybe the better corner throughout camp that Elam was kind of falling behind a little bit. 
And yet both of them looked more than able to to take on the load. Which was sort of the big fear going into this. Teron Johnson didn't play. Dane Jackson didn't play. That's not surprising. Teron is one of the best nickel corners in, in football. And Dane is the only healthy corner with a ton of experience. Dane's been on this roster for a few years now, and he has the experience. So they did throw out guys like Jaquan Johnson, Cam Lewis, of course the rookies in Benford and Elam. DeMar Hamlin is the safety in the back. But Benford and Elam both looked good. They didn't look scared to, you know, to go up against guys like Alec Pierce, 6'4 rookie. Just an absolute size deficiency when going up against most cornerbacks. He is going to be bigger than almost every cornerback he goes up against. Michael Pittman, who could be on his way to having a bit of a breakout year, especially with better quarterback play in Matt Ryan. And yet, they both had huge pass breakups in crucial moments. And this is the thing, too. White, we're starting to hear rumors that he's coming back, he's getting better, he's going to be back you know, sooner rather than later. Okay, all right. But at least from what I saw with the rookies, and knowing the fact that Daron, uh, um, Teron Johnson and Dane Jackson will also be in the roster week one, gives me more confidence than I had before the game. Because before the game, there was a little bit of fear of, man, all right, I, like, I, I know the team is really good at getting late-round corners, but hearing Benford's maybe better than Elam is not great. Even though you, you read reports and saw reports that, well, it's just because Elam has to learn kind of to be a different type of corner, so he's sort of... He's starting from square one where you know Benford is not. But you were worried because it's like, okay, but Tredavis White needs to be back. Like we, we can't have these guys going up against Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. You know, day one. That can't happen. Yesterday gave me a little more confidence, especially because I know that the defensive line is really gonna be something this year. It is gonna be something this year. They I, I was talking about it, I want to say last week. They retooled it to really deal with almost anything anyone can throw at them. But Tim Settle, wow, might be the biggest upgrade for the Bills, that interior defensive line from Vernon Butler. Wow. He bullied Quentin Nelson, the best guard in football. It's it's not up for debate. He is the best guard in football, and Quentin Nelson for the Indianapolis Colts. And he was getting bulldozed by Tim Settle. And and what's been the thing with Tim Settle? Like the one thing we heard about him when he came here was essentially, yeah, he never really got a shot to play. He's 25 years old, so it's not like you're getting a 30 year old, 32 year old guy where you're like he's not going to be here for very long. Settle comes in here. He was initially with Washington, never got a chance to play. He was behind a ton of first round picks, and he just got kind of got lost in the shuffle. But Washington fans. Since he's he signed with the Bills, have been complaining, how did you let this guy go? And man, he he showed it. He showed it on Saturday. He just he, he it was the people mover. He just he just shoved Quentin Nelson aside. He just absolutely attacked him. And I think in part Nelson just wasn't prepared for it. I think he really didn't think he'd have that kind of strength. But if that's the kind of power Settle is gonna bring to that defensive line. The avenues he's going to open up for a guy like Ed Oliver, who's been dominating Bill's camp, dominating Bill's camp, is just going to be crushing for opposing offenses. It is going to be crushing, especially in the division, in the AFC East, where two of the three quarterbacks cannot move. Mac Jones, not athletic enough. Tua, not at all. 
not athletic at all. If you can get a super aggressive and powerful interior push for your defensive line, you can cause basically whatever kind of havoc you want on an offense with a, with quarterbacks who are not mobile. But I'll even take it a step further in, in other games that you'll have early in the season. Baltimore, to, for a perfect example. If you're destroying that offensive line, both on the edges with Von Miller and potentially even a better Gregory Rousseau, and your interior is doing that with Tim Settle and Oliver, Lamar has never had a good game against the Buffalo Bills. Even in his MVP year, he did not have a great game. And now he has no receivers, and the Bills really retooled their defensive line to deal with run games better. Daquan Johnson, Tim Settle are kind of the big names to for that to really kind of be better against the run. It can be a disaster for a lot of teams to play them because of what they can do in terms of switching on and off between are they passing or are they rushing the passer or are they run defending. Shaq Lawson as well is another name that really is going to be big for run defense. Just I, watching that play, I didn't get to see it live. I saw that the day after of him just moving Greg or uh, Quentin Nelson like he was nothing was maybe the most impressive thing I had seen for that game. Without a doubt, the most impressive thing I had seen. I loved Elam's breakup. Christian Benford's breakup was great. The 82-yard punt was about as advertised from Matareza. That's about as advertised. So it wasn't one of those things where I was stunned. But watching Tim Settle, who again, kind of is a guy that you, you somewhat forgot about. He's not talked about a ton. If you knew him coming in the Buffalo, maybe you were a little more excited. I just knew from what I saw from you know Washington reporters and fans of being furious that he was gone. And now seeing that, I am so excited to see what he can do as essentially a little bit of Harrison Phillips replacement and Vernon Butler replacement. And if he can be one of the starting defensive tackles opposite at Oliver... That can be a disastrous form of attack for opposing offenses. That you have to see those guys, plus Miller and Rousseau coming off the edges. If Rousseau is exactly what we keep hearing. You know, feeding him gasoline and gunpowder. If he really is that, this defensive line can cause havoc. And the secondary looking so, so much better than I, than I initially anticipated. I was I was fascinated to see how that secondary would look. I really was. Not in sort of like a, oh, I really think they're going to do bad. It was just I I liked the idea that they were going to have to go up against a starting offense, at least for a few series. We saw it in the game right before the Bills started in the Chiefs-Bears game that Mahomes and a lot of the starting Chiefs offense was out there, probably when they shouldn't have. The Soldier Field looked terrible that day, but that's neither here nor there. But they were out there. And I wanted to see, now of course Matt Ryan is not the same quarterback as Patrick Mahomes, but I wanted to see how they did against the starting offense. And a receiver, Michael Pittman, that I that I really respect, I really like in the league, I think he is genuinely a very, very good player, and would kind of give you an idea of how good these guys are. And I don't. neither looked out of place. Neither Benford or Elam looked out of place. They looked exactly where they should have been, and they handled it incredibly, incredibly well. Pittman had two receptions for 30 yards. It's not like, you know, he was you know, shut down. I'm not expecting these guys to be locked down corners their first year or their first game. 
But the fact that the Colts' offense really couldn't do much, their starting offense did not really do anything. They went forward on fourth down a lot, and they were stuffed. They really, they just, they were kind of a non-factor. I said it as well with uh, Derek Kramer on game day. We were talking about the game as it was going on. It was like, if I'm a Colts fan, I'm not happy with how this game's turned out. The offense doesn't look right. It doesn't look, you know, very adventurous. It doesn't look aggressive. They're going forward on fourth down, but it's partially because why would you test your punter? Like, there's no point. And they just, it's not that they looked lost. It just looked that you knew the Bills were only playing their second strings. You knew they had two rookie cornerbacks. That was something that was said on the broadcast. I mean, Benford and Neelam, it's the two rookies. And you couldn't do anything against them. You're playing backup linebackers, backup safeties, predominantly a backup D line. Tim Settle, though, I think needs to start. That was incredibly impressive. And I really do, from everything I've read about him now, I, I think he really does need to start opposite Ed Oliver. But it was just so, so impressive to see that the defense is, it seems like, deeper than it should have been. Because I think the big talking point going into this year was the Bills, while yes, they were the first ranked defense last year, it was sort of skewed. It was, we'll look at the quarterbacks they played, and when they needed to come up with stops, they couldn't. And I don't disagree with that point. I don't. I do subscribe, though, to the Jeremy White thinking of this as, well, then who would you have had as the number one overall defense? The Bengals weren't really that good of a defense. They got good in the playoffs. The Rams, they gave up points. The Chiefs, certainly not. Green Bay, maybe. San Francisco, maybe. I think we also have to remember, though, when it comes to great defenses, in terms of being ranked you know, number one, two, whatever, the great defenses, who you play does play a massive factor into that. You know, the 1985 Bears really only played Dan Marino in terms of great, great quarterbacks. They lost that game. They gave up like 38. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Points. The 2000 Ravens had to play Steve McNair. He was probably the best quarterback they played. I, you know, that's kind of how it goes. That's how defenses a lot of time are able to become the number one ranked defense. 2002 Buccaneers, well, their head coach, John Gruden, 
literally coached the team they had played in the Super Bowl the year prior, and they changed nothing. There's even, you know, mic'd up moments on that where they realized about like midway through the first quarter that they didn't change a thing, verbiage or anything. And that the Buccaneers essentially were playing with house money. They knew everything that was coming. They didn't care. Just make plays. You know what's coming. But to see the Bills know that they got not lucky, but just that's the nature of the beast. That's the draw that you got a softer schedule and, you know, you didn't come up with stops when you needed to. The playoffs. Tampa Bay, Tennessee, they got better. They got deeper. Something I didn't think they'd do. They added a first-round cornerback, and they added another one later in the draft, later than I thought they'd add their first one, but it's around the area. I thought the Bills would add one like the third round. They instead went first and sixth. They added more pieces on the defensive line to really become a versatile defensive line that can deal with running games because you couldn't last year. Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor just shredded you whenever they wanted. Leonard Fournette again with Tampa beat you up whenever he wanted to. So they got better at that. And then they added a piece like Von Miller, a finisher essentially. That's what they're bringing him in is finished plays. If a quarterback is running around, take him down. Instead of even having him throw the ball away, take him down. We need sacks. It's the one thing the Bills' defense, even last year, and for most of Sean McDermott's tenure here, they've never been able to get sacks. That's always been an issue. Now they're hoping with Vaughn, with Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, who exploded off the edge to force that fumble. They're hoping that they have guys. I'm not asking to have one guy that has you know 15 to 20 sacks. But if I can put up together a few guys that have seven and a half, eight sacks, one guy that has 10, maybe 11, that's a good line. That's a really good line. Because if you just have to focus on the one, I'm hoping he's a Hall of Fame talent and like runaway Hall of Fame. Because if not, and he just has a few good seasons, we're, we're going to have an issue. But you notice how these players can really, really affect how a defense plays. TJ Watt, for example. The Steelers' defense is solid, but it's really just him and Minka Fitzpatrick. But how he disrupts plays is what makes them so good, makes the, the, the Steelers' defense so difficult to deal with. I'm hoping that Rousseau, Settle, and Miller can join in on what already Ed Oliver does in the interior and really disrupt play. And if you now have an all-pro cornerback getting healthy, and another really promising young cornerback, along with the guys you already have on that roster, you can really, really cause issues for so many teams. Even with the great quarterbacks, the Bills have to play this year. Just looking at their schedule, who they have to play this year. Of course, they get Stafford. They get Lamar. They get Mahomes. They get Rodgers. Kirk Cousins on his day can be dangerous. And Joe Burrow. Those are some great quarterbacks there. Then you look at the Miami Dolphins, the fact that you know two is not great, but that offense is very seriously could be. They're fast. They're dangerous. But to be fair, the Dolphins' offensive line just isn't good. So if you have such a disrupting defensive line, it may not matter how fast their guys are. Tua may never have time to set, to set his feet at all. Tennessee with Tannehill, Derrick Henry, that's really who I'm worried about. Not Tannehill, it's, it's Derrick Henry. But if you've truly changed your defensive line to make it a little more versatile to deal with run games, 
you should win that game running away. That You should win that game running away. It's at home. They've lost A.J. Brown. And, and, and realistically, A.J. Brown is the one that really caused issues for the Bills in that game last year. That's the guy that once they started going to him, the Bills had no answers. He's the one. So if you can figure it out, you're good. He had seven receptions, 91 yards. I'm pretty sure he did most of that work in the second half. So if you can figure that out, now that A.J. Brown's gone, so if you can just figure out Derrick Henry, you are golden, golden against them. Because Hill's not going to beat you alone. Not a shot. It took a physically dominant receiver like A.J. Brown. We, don't t- we, we talk a lot about D.K. Metcalf's physical abilities. We do not touch on A.J. Brown's enough. He was a menace for AFC teams. Pittsburgh, you should absolutely win that game. Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett looked pretty good this weekend, which definitely hurts my theory that quarterbacks that openly and proudly wear two gloves can actually be good. He looked pretty solid. George Pickens looks phenomenal for Pittsburgh. But you should win that game. It's at home. It took a lot to go wrong for them to win week one. It took a lot going wrong last year for the Bills to lose that game opening day. In Kansas City. I don't like their defense still. But if you can really disrupt Mahomes in the pocket, you can easily win that game. You can win that game because you have the firepower to run away from them. That's I mean, that's the thing. A lot of teams you take early leads on on I, I always think back a few years ago when the Houston Texans took what was it, like a twenty four to three lead early in the first half of that AFC divisional game. And the Chiefs just I mean, it ran through a door and just took the lead at half. It's because ultimately, Houston didn't have the firepower to keep up with them. They just didn't. It was Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. That was basically their team. And Will Fuller. That was basically their team. That was it. The Bills have the firepower to absolutely keep up and to run away from games and to put you away early. That's why all their wins last year were blowouts. Because they can blow teams out very quickly. And if you have a defense that can even just for a half genuinely frustrate teams and have them you know, questioning what, what should they do, how should they change things up, you've won the game. You've won the game. And then, because I won't touch on this too much tomorrow, the offensive line play, if you're having genuine competitions to see who's going to be better, we all thought Spencer Brown was going to be the guy for the Bills at right tackle. But if David Questenberry is playing better at right tackle, play him. Play him. Roger Saffold, if he's playing better at one of the guard positions, play him. I am more than okay with that. It's why, while I was happy to see both Benford and Elam play well, I was more than okay if Benford was the only one that played well. Play the best guy. The Bills are not in a situation now where, well, we draft him in the first round, we have to play him. You're in a Super Bowl window. You play the best guys at every position. I don't care if... You spent $20 million on them. It's why, even though they signed Crowder, seemingly it was McKenzie's job to lose. At least in the slots position. It's why, even though they brought in Tavon Austin, and maybe he looked pretty good in minicamps, he may not get a shot. It's why Marquez Stevenson, even though they drafted him, an injury may cost him a, cost him a roster spot. O.J. Howard they brought in as well. And if he is not truly going to better that tight end room, he will be gone. I would not be surprised by that at all. 
he will be gone. The Bills are in a window now where they play the best guys no matter what. And to be fair, I'm not worried that they won't because clearly they're showing they don't care who you think they should play. They're going to play guys exactly where they think they should be and where they think they're best at. That's why Benford has genuinely been playing first-team reps. It's why him and Elam are kind of in a competition to see who's going to be CB2. I think it will ultimately be Elam because I think he is the better player. But to have the idea that those two guys can both be really, really good for you is spectacular. And to see the defensive line with Tim Settle and Boogie Basham showing out, even without any of the starters out there, and to have guys like Terrell Bernard show out their athleticism, the rookies just making plays everywhere. Yes, it's a preseason game. It doesn't mean a ton. But a lot of the guys that played yesterday are depth guys. And if that's how they're playing as the second, third stringers for the Bills, gives you a lot, and I mean a lot of confidence going forward in the season. We're going to take a quick time out and we come back. We'll take your tweets on who was the most impressive player to you in the Bills' 27-24 win over the Colts. And we'll look at some of the other preseason games this past weekend. What were some of the storylines going on around the league? We'll do that when we come back on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you for about the next half hour or so. We're talking a little bit about the Bills' preseason win, their ninth straight in the preseason over the Indianapolis Colts of the Saturday, 27-24. to Talked a lot about the defense in the last segment, how I felt, how they did, and especially the rookies, Christian Benford, Kyrie Elam, Terrell Bernard. Everyone was making plays. It was awesome to see. It's one of those few times, I can't remember the last time I saw a rookie class in their first preseason game, really be the stars of the show. But I did put it on Twitter, uh, kind of announcing what was coming up on the nightcap tonight. Who was sort of the surprise for you? Who stood out? And we got somebody tweeting in. Dude tweets in, Shakir was 100% as advertised. How we stole him in the fifth, I do not know. That's us getting connected to our fans, brought to you by the law firm of Gelber and O'Connell. They take your personal injury cases personally. Yeah, Shakir falling to the bills in the fifth round. I had looked up a little bit of Shakir as the draft process was starting to go along just to kind of catch up on some receivers. And to be, and to be frank, and, and I saw this a lot, and I've been saying it a lot now that you know we're hearing much more about Shakir. Now that we've seen him live, I'm beating this drum as hard as I can. Most draft experts did not expect him to fall to the fifth round. He was considered a third-round prospect by most Teams and by most draft experts, or I'm sorry, not by most teams, by most draft experts, he was considered a third round prospect. And that the fact that he fell to the fifth round was considered shocking to most. And so I've seen like people tweeting out too, like how the NFL allowed him to fall to the Bills in the fifth round is just stunning. And you're not wrong. Because I think the thing that surprised me most with Shakir and what I was so happy to see, because as much as I've been beating this drum that I think he'll be the team's third outside wide receiver, I didn't know if it would come true. I thought that this year he really may just kind of do stuff in the slot and kind of come in here and there and really it would be an injury that gets him involved, and I don't want that. I don't want Gabe Davis or Stephon Diggs going down, not even a little bit. But when he was out there, and very clearly, like when he was out there, he was the favorite target by a mile. He was, without a doubt, the favorite target. He was on the outside. He was moving everywhere. 
inside, outside. He was everything. And that's what I wanted to see from Shakir. Because I, I really do believe he can take up the Isaiah McKenzie, Gabe Davis roles together. They're both drastically different players, but he can do both roles. The gadget stuff, the, out, um, the end arounds, taking the ball out of the backfield, scheming him open. He's, he's a faster prospect than Gabe Davis is. He has some of the best acceleration on the team. And now we all got to see what he looks like out there as a receiver. He he looks so smooth. That's where like I like there is sort of this like all right, hold on, it's preseason. There is that. And then there's just also watching Shakir play, you realize, oh, okay, he's legit. He looks smooth. He's running routes well. Three of his five catches were actually tough catches. That he had to, you know, turn his body and change his positioning. He made that work really, really well. And that's something that I think the Bills were hoping to get and just didn't realize they'd get it in the fifth round. I think, I mean, Brandon Beam was open about it. He would have drafted him in the fourth round if they had a fourth round pick. So even he knew, I can't believe this guy's here. Because he would have taken him in the fourth round and never thought about it. And just, yep, Shakir, that's our guy right there. I think he can genuinely play a role on the starting offense. I really, really do. And it won't be him taking, you know, snaps away or, or, or passes away from Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs. They have to replace Emmanuel Sanders. They have to replace Cole Beasley. Those targets have to go somewhere. It's probably going to be a mix between Davis, McKenzie, and now probably Shakir. They have to get James Cook involved. There are going to be at times where I think there genuinely could be just wide open guys. I think they could have a really nice time at scheming guys wide open like they did in Davis's rookie year where I want to say six of his seven touchdowns, it felt like no one was near him because he just came on the field, ran a route, everything was discombobulated for the defense, and boop, he was there. Done. Touchdown. I think Shakir genuinely will have a role on this team. But I do kind of want to see him play in the preseason more. I like the connection he's had with Case Keenum and Matt Barkley, and I'd like to see more from them. I think that was probably my biggest negative was I think the offensive flow as, as a whole, and that was a lot to do with the rotating offensive line, but also Keenum and Barkley, I mean, Barkley played pretty well. Keenum, not so much. So I, I would like to see much more from Keenum. So I'd keep Shakir in there. I'd absolutely put in Isaiah Hodgins more as well. I'd love to see more from him. We just haven't been able to for two years. So I'd love to see that. But moving on from the Bills game a little bit, we'll go more in depth with the offense tomorrow. I want to talk a little bit about some of the other storylines I got from this past weekend of watching football. One of the big ones, I talked a lot about it with Derek Kramer on Bill's pregame on Saturday, and it was Zach Wilson. I was saying it on what would have been Friday night that that's you know that's one of the big players I wanted to see. I want to see second-year quarterbacks, how they're doing. Trevor Lawrence looked pretty solid against the Browns in his sort of preseason um, debut this season because he, he set out the Hall of Fame game. He looked solid. He missed some throws, had a few drops, had some great throws, had a touchdown. Couldn't be happier. But Zach Wilson got hurt basically the moment I said on the show, I want to see him play. And they escaped injury, or at least serious. We'll see how that goes. But now it looks like he's going to have surgery in Los Angeles. I don't know why they flew him out to Los Angeles, but he'll have surgery 
uh, tomorrow to see the severity of the injury, which is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It's a torn meniscus slash bone bruise. So it will be one of those where you won't know the severity until you're essentially the doctors have you under the knife. That's the only time. But my big thing here, and why I was so adamant on why I did not want the Bill starters really playing any sort of minutes is because, yes, it was a non-contact injury, but it was just Zach Wilson was just being an NFL player. He just cut up fields. He saw an open space, and it was the way he cut, and it, it did look like a torn ACL. I think most people would have assumed, yeah, it's probably a torn ACL. doesn't really matter that you can walk off the field. That indicates nothing. And the, and the, and the Jets did escape calamity, it seems. Torn meniscus, bone bruise, out two to four weeks, depending on how the surgery goes tomorrow. I think they would have absolutely had to have signed Jimmy, or traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think without a doubt they would have had to. Because I think that's the thing, is ultimately, if they don't, yes, it's a wasted season, I doubt the Jets owners, after all the free agent moves they've made, the draft picks they've made, would have sat there and went, yeah, this season can be lost. They can't. Joe Douglas has been the GM since 2019. This is Salah's second year. Number one, Salah's defense has to look better for the Jets. It has to look better. If I'm them, I would have absolutely had to go for Jimmy Garoppolo. Truthfully, if he's out for eight weeks, I'd go for Jimmy Garoppolo. If he's out for six weeks, I'm going for Jimmy Garoppolo. If it's just two to four, fine. But what I said on the pregame was, was true too. He can miss week one. It's against the Ravens. You're not winning that game. Cleveland with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, you need to win that game. For the Jets to have maybe a successful season, you got to win that game. Some other storylines I kind of like to watch over this past weekend with preseason football. Starters playing. That was interesting. I The Kansas City Chiefs played their starters for quite a bit, about a quarter, in the first preseason game, which to me is kind of a lot. I wouldn't have done that. Mainly I wouldn't have done that because Soldier Field in Chicago looked terrible. It looked awful. And there is a genuine fear that, yes, and yet it is the night after the whole Zach Wilson thing happened. Or it's the day after the Zach Wilson thing happened. So that will always play a part in it, that you literally just saw something that could have been season-ending. But for me, that's why, is I'm like, yeah, you don't want to be the team to have to go through that. No, ultimately, rookie quarterbacks, second-year quarterbacks, I'm playing you. You need reps especially most of the second-year class. they A lot of them didn't play really at all. Or not well, at least. You know, Trey Lance, base, this is third game that he started for the 49ers. Wilson had a terrible season last year. He needs to get reps. Fields, same thing. But man, trotting out Mahomes there, if I was a Chiefs fan, I'm gritting my teeth, I'm clenching my chair, whatever I'm holding on to, and I'm just... Let's let's just get through this. I don't care how we look. Just get through this. Because you can't even really be excited to see them play. Because every play, you're just worried that it's an injury. Because yes, while you can avoid injuries, I'd rather an injury happen in a regular season game where it counts. If it happens in preseason, it will constantly feel like, why? Why did we even have him out there? Yes, injuries can happen outside of football. Yes, that's true. But you're mitigating the risk for no reward. 
there is no reward for playing preseason football. Not really. Not for most of these star players. They're good. They know what they're doing, and they build a lot. And I mean a lot of their chemistry and practice. It's why a lot of NFL players talk about, like, well, when did you know that this guy was a star? And they'll tell you, like, two or three practices in. They won't. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Tell you, oh, was after, you know, that second preseason game or that first preseason game. No, most of them know two or three practices and it's usually how it goes. So seeing, you know, the Chiefs starters go out there, I'm like, ugh. Like, I'm wincing, and I'm a Bills fan. Like, a part of me is like, eh, if Mahomes misses, you know, five, six weeks, that's not a terrible thing for the Bills. But I'm sitting there going like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. On the flip side of that game, though, Justin Fields for the Chicago Bears, he was making some good throws. In a season that already feels lost because the Bears just were not prepared to bring in a rookie quarterback at all last year. He made some really nice throws. He is I don't think he is going to be a quarterback like a Sam Darnold, who ultimately was ruined by Adam Gase and, and effectively is unsalvageable at this point. He is getting destroyed by Baker Mayfield down in Carolina. It, it already feels like it's not a competition anymore. Baker had the start over the weekend. He played pretty solid. Darnold did, doesn't matter anymore. Baker is the starting quarterback. I think if, if things go you know, up in flames in Chicago... I don't think Justin Fields becomes like a new Darnold where it's like, oh, what could have been? I think it'll just be something of get him on a good team. He may never be Mahomes or Allen, but he won't be a complete disaster. He made some really, really nice throws. And he was getting clobbered. I'm just, oh. If I'm the Bears, I think if I'm a Bears fan, that's the one thing you're rooting for this whole year is just do not get killed. Hold on. Just hold on. Don't get him hurt. Get him through his second year and keep building him weapons. But him and Darnell Mooney, though, could be a sneaky, really kind of fun connection to watch. That I think Mooney's stat line by the end of the year could really jump out and be like, wow, he he did that? Good for him. That's awesome. He may not be like an, an A receiver. He may not be like a clear-cut one. But he could be a very interesting receiver. And if him and Fields hit, they're going into a season or into an offseason and if, obviously a number of months. They'll have a ton of cap space. If Fields can be like a guy that has people turning their heads a little bit, even if his team is bad, the Bears could rebuild quickly. Especially if you have a great quarterback, or a great young quarterback, you rebuild quickly just naturally. That's just how it kind of works. But it'll be definitely interesting to see how that goes, at least on that end. Just some other stories. Trey Lance, I thought he looked really good. That, you know, however far it was, 70-some yard touchdown pass he had was... It's one of the prettier throws you're going to see in the NFL all year. All year. I mean, he just Jimmy Garoppolo does make the throw. I know I said the Jets should probably go for him just to, in, if Wilson is hurt. It's just because he's a stopgap. That's why they drafted Trey Lance third overall. Is is the throw he was he made there? It's just you knew Jimmy Garoppolo would never even attempt that throw, let alone think he could make it. He, he that thought doesn't cross his mind. Really good to see him do that. Jordan Love for the Green Bay Packers. I. Ooh, what a wasted pick. What a wasted pick. It's not only that Rodgers 
clearly didn't need an heir apparent yet. That they clearly should have just helped him out. It's more now it feels like Jordan Love can't play. It, that Jordan Love pick from the Green Bay Packers in the first round is going to go down as one of the worst draft picks in NFL history. Not because he was a head case or, you know, like the, again, the Ryan Leaf or just, you know, or truly just being one of the worst quarterbacks to ever play the game of football. Heath Schuler for Washington is a name that I always think of. It'll be more along the lines of, wow, they really never needed to do that. And, and instead of getting what they thought was this version of Rodgers, Rodgers, of course, being picked before Brett Favre was technically done, and they sort of picked him around the same era, and they thought they were going to get another 20 years of uninterrupted Hall of Fame-level quarterback play. Instead, it, oh, it just doesn't look like Jordan Love has it. He has the physical tools, but he's not putting it together at all. Three picks. He played, I want to say, like the whole first half, and I think some into the third quarter. Just not, it's not what you want to see at all from potentially your next future starting quarterback. We'll see how long Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, but just I don't I don't think Jordan loves the guy. I think ultimately when Rodgers retires, they're going to draft another guy because I think Love, there's no way he gets to a second contract. They're not going to give him one. There's no way. There's just absolutely no way. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, wrap up the show, look a little bit to the Yankees. They are a bit of a disaster since the trade deadline. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you for just another few moments as we wrap up the show here on a Monday. Real quick segment I want to talk about here is the New York Yankees. I work with a few Yankees fans. Uh, I am not one myself. I'm in and out of baseball, especially being an Angels fan. Once they're out of the playoffs, it's really tough to keep up. But the Yankees and the Mets have very much kept me engaged because a part of me is rooting for the Subway Series. I've mentioned this a few times. But this August has been a nightmare for the Yankees, and it's it's not getting much better. They had a three-game series with the Boston Red Sox that ended this past weekend. They won one game, and they won one game in a three-game series with the Seattle Mariners, and now they're in a series with the Tampa Bay Rays. It just started. It's still 0-0 as of now. But, man, it's just – I've said it a few times, but just – Seeing the drastic difference between the two New York teams, the fact that the Mets, as the season has gone on, has only got they've only gotten better, especially with Scherzer and DeGrom coming back, where the Yankees, Judge is still hitting home runs. I think he's going to hit 61. I really do. And I think it's going to be one of the most hollow record breakings for the Yankees ever because ultimately if he breaks that record, and I think he will, the Yankees will have ended the season on such a bad run that it won't feel like this is a team that can make a run to the World Series. They just won't. And that is a shame because I think Judge has absolutely – he's gonna he's earned the money he is going to get very, very soon. But, man, the Yankees start off untouchable, untouchable. And now they just – they look shaky. They're, the bats have gone cold outside of Judge. And it is just – it's very weird to tune into their games and just look at them and go, ooh, it's like not – it's night and day for what this team wants to start the year. That's going to do it here on the Nightcap on WGR. I'll be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock with Chopin the Bulldog. And, of course, I'll be back here starting at 7 tomorrow. We'll talk a lot more about the offense and who I was really, really proud and happy to see show out for the Bills offense in their 27-24 win over the Indianapolis Colts. That'll do it here for the Nightcap. Thanks for listening. This has been the Nightcap on WGR. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.